This is episode 205 with one of the most accomplished ultramarathoners in history, author of Running Your First Ultra, Ms. Chrissy Mayle. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to features one of the best ultra runners of all time. She's won UTMB, the Wasatch 100, Hard Rock 100, the Hurt 100, and dozens more ultra marathons. Chrissy Mayle is a legend in the ultra community and author of one of the best training books for aspiring ultra runners titled Running Your First Ultra. On the show today, she's going to help you level up your performance for your next go at the ultra distances. If you're new to the podcast, you can expect conversations just like this between me and the thought leaders in the running industry. My goal is to elevate your thinking about the sport, help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. Strength Running also has an active YouTube channel with hundreds of videos on how to run longer, strength workouts, how to stay healthy and run with better form, and a lot more. Go to youtube.com slash strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. For more than a decade, we've been helping runners around the world level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. Big thanks to our sponsor, Elemental Labs, for making this episode possible. They want to gift you a free sample pack of electrolytes. Just pay five bucks for shipping here in the U.S. You can go to drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to sign up for a free sample pack. It has four flavors and eight individual packets to help you optimize your hydration this summer season. Our guest today is Chrissy Mayle an ultramarathoner that has been a fixture in the sport for about 20 years now. She's the author of Running Your First Ultra and has completed hundreds of races, more than 50 first finishes in the female category, and several outright wins. She's won some of the hardest 100-mile courses on the planet, including the Hard Rock 100 and the Hurt 100 in Hawaii. Her longevity in the sport this difficult is something to admire. And on the show today, we're talking about what got her hooked on running long races after being an 800-meter runner in college, how she's evolved and changed her approach to ultras and fueling since she first started, and her best training tips for you. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Chrissy Mayle. Hi, Chrissy. Thanks for being here. Hi. How's it going, Jason? It is going great now that you're here. I'm so excited to chat with you today. You are such a fixture in the ultra running community, and you've been involved in the scene really before it was really a scene. So, you know, for more than 15 years, you've been racing ultras, winning ultras, you direct some races too, and you've just been such an inspiring leader in this community. So thank you. I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, well, thanks. It's kind of I'm sitting in Squaw Valley amidst the Western States 100 and talk about fixtures or history or there's just so much. I've been coming to this event since I believe the first time I came was in 2002. Wow. So that's 
you're going on almost 20 years, 19 years of coming to this race and running into faces like I consider legends um, running around and then seeing this whole next, I, I almost feel like there's two generations after me <laughs> that have come up in this, um, in the two decades I've been at it. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit about the beginning when you first started uh, with ultra running. And really when you first started running, were you always someone who just loved running a lot? How did you get started with the sport? I have always identified as a runner. Um, when I found the trails, that was when the the circle fed itself and it came, everything came full circle, however you want to use that analogy. Uh, but growing up, grade school, high school, college, I ran uh, 800 meters actually. So just a half mile was my race distance. And I actually know a lot of ultra runners that were 800 meter runners. There's a, I think there's a strong mental component that goes with duking it out on the half mile, like two laps on the track that matches up with what it takes to do an ultra. Well, that's really interesting because the 800 is often called the hardest event in track because it's just so technical, it's so fast and it's so hard. And then if you go off the track, you could argue that the ultra distances are arguably some of the harder events that are off the track. So you really haven't chosen any easy events, have you? Uh, maybe that fits with me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When was your first ultra? If you were someone who's always kind of a runner, you were always competing in track in grade school, even, and then at the high school and, and later years, when did you start getting into the ultra distances? Mm, I feel like I've told this story so many times, um, but I studied in Ecuador my senior or junior year of college, and while and I had run um, cross country, indoor, and uh, outdoor track by my previous three years of college, and then I took a semester away or abroad. And while I was away, it was the first time I could like run how I wanted to run, and I always I loved running for a coach. I tell me what to do. I love following the rules. Like, so don't, I'm not discrediting that, but I was always limited to 90 minutes. And so being in Ecuador on my own free will, I just go disappear for hours. My host mom would get so worried about this little white girl running around town in her university issue sports bra and shorts or whatever. But I kind of found that it was all on road still. I didn't understand or know about trail running or anything. And then when I came back, I decided to work and I was working at the Seattle Running Company. And prior to leaving, it was the foot zone. It had sold while I was gone. And you look into the history of the sport, Seattle became a hub of ultra running in the early 2000s. And I just got swept right up in it. Scott McCoubrey bought the foot zone, turned it into the Seattle Running Company. He hired Scott Jerk, who had just won his very first Western States. And this college senior came back in begging for her job back so that I could, you know, pay off my debt that I'd accrued from Ecuador. And here I was amongst like the heart and of like ultra running as it came up in the Seattle era. Uh, they just had to uh, drag me out on the trails. It took about six months of them coming in on a Sunday morning after a really like trail, cool trail run, muddy legs, and they'd just all be buzzing. And I just observed that for a long time. And then finally got out there. And so my first ultra was, um, Chuckanut of 2000. So I came home from Ecuador, June of 99, started running with those guys in January of 2000. And three months later ran the Chuckanut 50 K, which was only 14 miles from where I grew up. 
Wow, that was so amazing. And so did you go back to running track or cross country as a senior when you were in school? No. You didn't. So you you were just fully into ultras at that point. You like had that epiphany or or something clicked for you. So actually, I remember being on the ridge of the Chuckanut course and Scott McCubrey was running with me and Uli Steidel was, they, essentially they were pacing me. We, we were running together, but I mean, hindsight, it was, they were pretty dead set on making sure I finished and finished well. Uh, and I just remember the rain was coming in sideways. The wind was whipping us. I was wearing like a fleece vest, <laughs> like just the gear was not what it is today. And I just remember being like, this, I'm right where I'm supposed to be because my team, the UW team was at an indoor event or maybe they were at their first outdoor track meet or something like the end of March. And it, it was either this or that. And here I was up where I, it was like totally perfect for me. So when you first started getting into this, you were hanging out at the, the running store, hanging out with all these trail runners, these ultra runners. Did you have a good sense of how to train for if 50k ultra because you know back then there just weren't as many resources for ultra runners and you know it was kind of this like new niche sport people were just starting it it was almost like the wild west in terms of training and competing you know how do you think about how to actually prepare for something like that especially considering you know you were coming from a track background you were running the 800 you know this is a very different type of event yeah i'm really thankful i came up the way i did and I make the joke that like run, I ran with the boys because that's pretty much who I was surrounded by. I can count on one hand the number of women I actually got to train with. There were definitely women running, but like in your pocket, like home, you didn't get to train. With, I didn't get to train with women all that often. But there was a generation ahead of us. Like Western states had been going. There was, um, they don't. They definitely told their stories of like carrying the the honey bear, like that. Like goo didn't exist. You know, power bar was kind of the new. Like there was an energy bar specific for for running. Um, but I was just a total sponge. I worked and ran with these guys uh, on the trails. We did uh, tempo runs around town. We'd go do like the Ragnar. T- they're called Ragnar now, but before it was like Cedar Summit or. Um, the one down by Rainier, Rain, uh, the Rainier to the coast. I can't remember what the name of it was, but we did all these like fun group runs together. And I just learned, I figured out what worked for me and what didn't. And they were very helpful in like giving advice and tips and pushing me. And, and I, I feel like I came up in a really special period and I am so thankful because I've also witnessed, because I was definitely the runner that came in that didn't know I, I could run, but I didn't know what it was to go in the mountains. My family, we didn't, you know, roughing it for us was the RV when we didn't get to plug in and have hookups. Like we, I didn't sleep in a tent. I didn't know my backcountry safety skills and stuff. So having uh, these guys that were willing to show me that aspect of how to travel safely in the mountains. And I think as the sport has grown and grown so rapidly, like the bell curve is just like swooping up so fast right now, or the growth curve, um, there's not as many of those mountain people to to teach the runners that came in like me, like in a tank top and gloves and think I'm good to go into the backcountry. And I, I, I think uh, resources are becoming more readily available. And if you like look for them, but to get to learn right from the person 
that's, I mean, there weren't coaches then. And so now the fact that I even get to make a career being a coach in something that didn't even exist when I got into it, having those resources available to make sure that we continue to do this safely, it's probably one of the bigger changes I've I've noticed, like how you learn, like, cause you can learn from books and online, like the ultra running resource was a black and white magazine and it was, it's ultra running. And it's, I saw a copy the other day and that thing is beautiful now, like high, high quality. And, you know, the resource was race reports that were captured in this one black and white magazine that came out once a month. I can't help thinking about how your environment was likely so helpful for you as you started your ultra running career, just being in the center of things, surrounding yourself with other runners who had done it before, who knew more about the sport than you did, and and about all the little nuances and details. How important do you think that environment is? Because I think running is one of those sports where it's easy to go it alone. It's easy not to get support or embed yourself in a running community. How important do you think that was for you getting started? And, and do you think you would have maybe gotten as hooked on the sport if you weren't in that community? Mm, hard to say. I don't, I don't know the answer because I, I know the path that I went. And I sometimes joke that I was raised by a pack of wolves like <laughs> in, the tw- in my 20s to find the community because there weren't there weren't examples. There weren't women doing it. I just got like called in amongst this group of guys. And I, there wasn't, thankfully there wasn't a lot of uh, gender difference or anything. It was just, I run, you run, let's go. And I, I feel really thankful that that's the way I came up in it. Um, I know for my personality, I'm a total extrovert. So I am going to be drawn to people. And not everybody is. And a lot of the runners, a lot of like people that tend to be runners maybe don't have that like extreme extrovert (laughs) tendency like I do. Um, So I think you can still learn whatever way suits you, like the best way that you're going to absorb information. So that was definitely a perfect path for me, but maybe not for everybody. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, did you ever get any pushback when you first started running ultras? Because, you know, you, you kind of made this fairly substantial transition from, you know, I'm an 800 meter university track athlete. Now I'm going to quit the track team. I'm going to start running mega miles in the mountains. You know, do you ever have maybe someone in your family or those around you kind of say like, Hey, you're throwing away a good thing, or you're going to lose your speed or, you know, any of those things that people tend to say when someone makes such an abrupt shift with what they're approaching? Well, my mom is a registered nurse and the doctor that she worked for was a runner and he was throwing all sorts of caution things at her that my development wasn't far enough along. Like this is not that long. It was 20 years ago now, but like, I didn't feel like that was something to worry about, but he was, he was, the doctor was super worried about a female running that far in her early twenties. And like there wasn't anybody else to point to at that point either to say, well, this person's done it. Like Ann Trayson was coming, like she was in her, the heart of her. I think she, she had won Western States like a handful of times at that point. Um, She was ahead of Scott in terms of number of wins or whatever. She started that sooner than he did or earlier than he did, but there weren't a lot of people to, to look to, to say, no, this is okay. (laughs) They they'll recover though. She'll do all right. So my mom was actually pretty like my biggest advocate and then like had the eye on me. 
uh, especially at my first race. And that's where I learned my best ultra running lesson was to basically to smile. But she had told me that if I looked tired or I was out of it or couldn't talk to her, she was pulling me for the race. She wouldn't let me finish. So I like the furthest I'd ever run was about 20 miles. And I remember coming into the aid station where there's like seven, maybe nine miles to go. So I was at the furthest I'd ever run and I still had seven or nine miles to go. And I came in just smiling. Hi, mom. Well, I was like so excited. And then I left just crying like, oh my God, this is so <laughs> So I didn't want her to, to see. And I came back the next year. I was injured and I was crewing somebody else. And everybody remembered me as the smiling girl because I would come into every aid station so like ex- excited for, to see my mom. So I, I think it's a really good lesson. And it's not fake it till you make it. I've thought about this a lot. It's genuinely finding like, can I, I can be excited about where I'm at and what I'm doing right now. And then how does that energy keep you going? Cause if I had already been in tears, I probably would have had to stop. Mom wouldn't let me keep going, but I was able to keep going by finding that energy and the positive piece of it. And I tell a lot of my coaching clients, like, remember we choose to do this. Like we go out there and yeah, it's a hard, but we're, we're choosing to learn in these moments and like take on the challenge to see how, how we respond. That seems like such a productive mindset, especially in ultra running where such a big component of your success is mental. And, you know, I recently had Claire Gallagher on the podcast and she was talking about how important your mindset is and how, you know, when she won Leadville, it was her first 100 and she didn't have a coach and, you know, a little bit of naivete went a long way. And and that was really helpful because she didn't go into it with this mindset of this is going to be so hard. I'm not sure if I'm ready. So it was very positive and forward looking, aspirational even. And, and I think that's really powerful in the ultra running world. Uh, now, Chrissy, were you hooked right away when you did that first 50K, the January after you came back from Ecuador? Or did you finish and you were like, oh, I don't know about this. That was really hard. Oh, I was hooked. The bummer part was I like a lot of early ultra runners went through the mega IT band uh, injury. Like, you know, didn't run for three months after, tried to run again. It still hurt. Uh, a legend in our sport who's no longer with us, Dave Terry, was the one that helped me. Uh, get the mindset around like you have to tell your body what you want it to do. So just taking time off is not helping. You need to do the PT. You need to go running. And he he's like, go out and run every day. If it's five minutes and that's all your body will let you do and you have to walk home, it'll get longer. And so I did the rehab PT a lot more diligently. And but that took me Ah, well over a year. I don't think I ran. That was 2000. I don't think I ran another ultra until fall of 2001. So it took me a good time. I was finishing out my college, my senior year of college as well. And like, I wasn't as like drawn in, but I didn't go back to the cross country team or, or any of the teams. I kept going on the runs with the, the running store. And then my whole, like, I guess, big fall into the sport when I really felt was uh, taking the job with Montreal footwear. So there was one brand that sponsored ultras and ultra runners and identified the brand as like providing for the ultra running community. And that was Montreal footwear. And Ian Torrance actually had had the job, found me at the running store and said, I think you'd be good for this. And I would say that was, well, the running store for sure. And then 
moving on to mantra was like the catalyst into like really diving into the community all over because traveling to races, you know, I met David Horton at the white river 50 miler. And then I went to his Mount Masochist race down in Virginia that October and the wheels just started spinning faster and faster in terms of love for the sport that feeding, like I was saying before, like I put a lot of running or put energy into being a runner the trail and where the, my two legs could take me and the people I was meeting that like, I think really started to feed that circle a lot more. Yeah. And I'm curious, Chrissy, cause you're someone who has an interesting background as a cross country and track athlete. And then you got into, to ultra marathons on the trails. What was it specifically about the longer distances? Was it the surface? Was it the, the distance itself, the different intensity level based on you know, compared with what you were used to, what was it about the ultras that, that spoke to you so strongly that, you know, as soon as you did your first one, you're like, this is for me, I'm hooked. I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. I think it was the inclusivity of the community right off the bat. Like I was telling you about the group of guys that I came up with. And then I just in awe of where my body could take me. Like I've grown up looking at mountains and always thought they were beautiful, but I didn't have that sense of like, "Hmm, how do I get there? And just like having that brain transition from, well, those are pretty to like, oh, how do I get up into them? That has really shaped like how I look at the world period. Like when I travel, it's, I've been so blessed. Like my business travel was always to the best trails in the nation. And then in the world, once I got to go international as well, like it wasn't business travel to go sit in a building. My business was showing shoes at a trailhead before a hundred or 300 runners took off to run a race. Oh, that sounds like the best job in the world. You're making me a little jealous. <laughs> in your mid twenties. And that's what I was. I think I landed pretty gold, uh, pretty gold at that point. <laughs> oh Yeah. Now, one of the things that I think is just really remarkable and fascinating, and I really respect about you, is that you've had such longevity in a sport that is so very, very difficult. Now you're a master's runner, and I'm curious to hear how your training has evolved over the years to prioritize this consistency and this longevity, because I think it's, it's something that, that we should all kind of look at and, and try to emulate. Mm. And I actually, it's awesome. I'm here to pace Jeff Browning for Western States, another name that longevity is just like (laughs) goes together with. Um, I feel like the training piece, it's so not just training. There's so many aspects to it. It's your daily nutrition. It's your sleep. It's your mobility. It's strength work. It's all these different aspects. And a lot of times you get the question of like the one thing, like, what do I need to do to be faster or what do I need to do to whatever the one thing is? And that's not, there's, there's many facets and they keep evolving. And I, I think that's where my longevity comes in is like, I'm not a patient person at all. Ultra running is like my constant lesson in learning patience. Cause I do, I am a very patient runner for whatever reason, but in life, not so much. Um, and like my ability to like listen to what my body needs and shift like the, the nutrition, I don't know if it's a joke or whatever, but like I used to go grocery shopping and I would pick up a, a loaf of artisan bread, you know, as I walked in the store and I would pay for the bag when I left, like I would eat car- like carbohydrate, carbohydrate, like, you know, a dozen bagels and you know, the five day week or whatever. And 
not that that's bad by any means. It worked awesome for me in my 20s. I don't feel the same way anymore. I actually need a lot more protein. And I've turned, um, I turned my fat intake way on about, well, probably about a decade ago now, where I, was, I definitely came up in the era that was scared of fat. And now I, I feel like I missed out. I should have been feeling a little bit better amidst that um, misnomer, if you will. But just paying attention to what your body needs and not just doing it because that's the way I've always, it's always been done. Like, well, it worked, you know, last, even like just, it worked the last race. It should work this race. Not always. Like you might not have slept as good or you might've been exposed to something else that didn't really work. So I, I guess I've had a pretty open mind to constantly being able to adjust. And that's played out in like a day-to-day basis. And then now over going into my third decade of this, if you can believe it. I think that's one of the harder things to do as a runner, because I think runners, you know, maybe by their own personalities, you know, we can be creatures of habit. You know, we like to run the same routes and, you know, we have the workouts that we really identify with and all that. And, you know, what were the things besides your diet that you had to work on evolving and changing over the years? Was it certain, you know, do you run higher volume, lower volume? Are you changing the way you structure your workouts or, you know, maybe even your entire annual race season? Is it, you know, how is that structured? Uh, and, and how has it changed over the years? I definitely used to run a lot more races, like definitely working with Montreal. There was a year I did 18 or 20 some that I ran and then I was traveling to even, even more. And, uh, that hasn't been the case as much in the last probably five years, I would say. I've maybe been more selective on the number of actual races I run and bigger into the more adventure type training. And um, I, again, I think I needed the racing in order to have the confidence to move in the mountains on my own. So I definitely, not that I don't think FKTs have gotten are a better thing or anything. I just think that's just been part of my evolution to find comfort in the mountains, know how to take care of myself, move through weather, what gear to carry, how to be safe, um, and then transferring it over into these more adventure type runs. The other thing for me for longevity is that I know that I want to run daily and what I'm finding with racing, I don't know if it's 20 years or the fact 20 years of racing or that I'm 43 years old, or maybe I need to figure out. So actually working with a sports dietitian right now, Andrew Dole out of, he's out of New Zealand to see if there's any tweaks I can make further, but my recovery is changing. I don't bounce back like I used to. So to go do a 50 or hundred mile race and have that take me out for two, anywhere from two weeks to two months, honestly, that doesn't meet my goal of running every day. And it's not like I'm on a streak or anything. I definitely take rest days and, and balance that. But to have the like these big blocks of time off, that doesn't serve my end, end goal of moving every day. Like that, that would be a bigger goal for me. So I think racing has taken more of a backseat a little bit to that priority of being able to go again the next day. And it's honestly, it's so awesome, like coaching clients and being in the supportive role after two decades of being in, I guess, the front seat or whatever you want, like other analogy you want to use for the one that's when you're actually the racer. 
Yeah, that resonates with me too, because you know my competitive days are a little bit behind me, but I, I still get such a thrill from helping a runner run a personal best or run a distance they've never run before. It just makes me so excited because it almost reminds me of those milestones from my career. And I get just as excited working with another athlete than I do about you know anything that's going on uh, in my life. So Chrissy, I'm curious, um, what advice might you have for a somewhat experienced ultra runner who's looking to level up their performance? You know, are there some maybe often overlooked aspects of training or mindset or preparation that can maybe help the, you know, intermediate ultra marathon or take their performances up to that next level? I would go right to mindset. Honestly, we're our own best like cheerleader or worst, um, negative voice and you know the, the different person the dueling mindset that we have to deal with and um would be something i've added to i did a lot of visualization coming up in the sport and i think that's i give a lot of credit to how i was able to race the way i did um having that pre like i didn't know it was meditative but i i was just by in the in the in the practice I've been way more intentional about meditation in the last three years and the benefits I'm seeing just in my like day-to-day life are huge. And I, in terms of finding that next level or level up that you're talking about for an athlete, the physical training is super important, but if you don't believe in it, if you don't trust it, it's, it's not really worth all that much, you know, in the long run, in terms of getting to be able to do the long run, um, so I, I would go, I would go first to mindset. And so maybe what specific things would you recommend a runner to, to start with? You know, is it visualization? Is it, you know, working on your confidence? What are some practical ways that a runner could improve their mindset? Cause I, I, I think it, especially in the ultra distances, your mindset is probably just as important as your physical training. You know, if you're going to run a hundred miles you know, you got to do the training for it, but you've got to have your head screwed on right too. And you've got to have both. You can't have one or just the other. The thing I would focus on is presence. Just encourage people to be right in the moment. We can worry our way, you know, worry away the future or regret what we've done in the past. If you show up at a race line, I didn't do enough training and you're back in that mindset. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Or if you're like worried about, oh, the heat or the you know, the competition or you're spending all this time worrying about what's not happening right here in the, in the moment where you're at the starting line. Like if you are standing on that starting line and you are either behind or ahead, like you're missing out on this awesome energy of people that are just so excited and arguably everybody could be going back and forth or whatever. But if you can just be present in that moment and then the next step and then the next step and then the next step, like my mantra, which is nothing fancy, was what do I need to do to keep moving forward? And so what what is the thing right now that I need? That rock in my shoe, but should I get it out so I don't have a blister, you know, five miles from now? Or like my go-to is even if my knee was hurting, I usually needed to eat first. Because if you're low blood sugar, a, a pain in your knee is going to be way worse than if you have the cognitive to be able to deal with the issue. So Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm really about like the right here, right now, as opposed to, and I've done, I've lived in the the past and the future worried work person. I, so I can speak from both points, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like you're talking to me because I I am such kind of a, a head case type of runner. I'm always thinking about, did I do enough training? Did I do the right training? Oh man, the weather's not perfect today. And so I can certainly uh, see the need to get out of your own head and stop worrying about what could have been and what might be in the future. Uh, and do you think meditation is one of the more effective ways of working on awareness in the present and focusing on trying to, you know, really focus on right now, right here, as opposed to anywhere else? Is meditation one of those really effective strategies? Totally. And I would say get right in your head because you're, because those things that you're referencing are outside of you where like your head is right here, right now. So if you can get to that. And I was just having a chat with um, Ian Sharman about this and Sean Bearden the other day where meditation, I think I've learned a lot of what my meditation practice has taught me in the last three years. I knew it from my ultra running. I just didn't understand it. And so by actually like finding that I do guided meditation, I'm, I, I will do my own as if, if, you know, if I don't have the guided option with me, but I do way better under guided to just keep me in the, the here and now, if that maybe helps. And maybe that's because I'm a beginner and I still need that help to, to get to it. But what I was saying for Ian and Sean is that it's the right here or the practice of the meditation is what's reinforcing everything I'd learned in ultras. So I used, I have a quote that there's not many issues in life that a long run can't solve, but sometimes the run has to be a bit longer. And now my understanding of that is like, I sometimes needed so many miles to get into the present. Like I couldn't get to the present without having done a really long run where now the quicker I can get to the present, the like more soothing, the more calm, the more grounded I am. And it doesn't have to come from, you know, 10, 15, 20 mile run anymore. I can, I can find it in just putting my feet on the ground, breathing, uh, closing my eyes or not, like whatever I need to do to just to stop the, cause the long run was to process all those thoughts, right. And the before and after, and I don't, are they, my two questions are, is it, is it, is it real and is it necessary or is it true and is it necessary? And if you ask those questions, I bet most of the time the answer is no to at least one of them, if not both. And if the answer is no, then you got to let it go. I love that. You're, you're really selling meditation because I'm someone who has heard so many people talk about how valuable it is. And I have yet to formally start a real meditation practice. And, uh, you know, it was actually quite encouraging to hear you say, you know, you're years into your own meditation practice and you still consider yourself a beginner. And, and I think there's a lot of hesitation or just anxiety about meditation. Like, I don't know how to empty my head. I'm not sure how to do this, but I feel like it's going more mainstream now. And there are resources, guided meditation apps. I, I even have the Calm app on my phone. I should be using it, <laughs> but it is probably one of those things that is an often overlooked uh, training tool that you can use to train your mindset that many of us are, are not using to its full advantage. And I'm just talking about the super simple parts of it. You're like that next step of being able to use it and apply it to actually help is, is the, is a next step. The one thing that held me back for a long time is I like, I can't sit still that long. I'm a busy person. I like to move around, 
there's no right way to meditate. And that when I, when I finally heard that, like, you don't have to do it a certain way. Walking meditation is a thing moving around. Just, it's just trying to get to the present. And we have this like visual of what it's supposed to look like. And that will hold people back from even starting. So I think if you, if you can let go of doing it right, like, oh, my mind's going to wander. Yeah, it is. Everybody's minds wander. And then the, the practice is coming back and being in the present, like trust, like knowing, oh, there I go again. I've been thinking about the grocery list. Like, nope, come back right now. I've dedicated this time to just be right now. What's right now? I'm sitting here chatting. We're having this podcast, like, the dog barked. Okay, that's over there. Now come back here. I'm in the podcast again. So you can you can use it in other realms of your life. Like I think a lot of times Western States is a really great example when you're walking around and there's all these people and like you're like, oh, there's a conversation over there. And then, oh, we bounce over there. It's like, no, come back. I wanted to talk to you right now. So um, the same thing can get used in sitting, sitting and meditating can then get used and played out in life in a lot of great ways. Do you think meditation is something that is is particularly helpful for ultra distances? Because I do feel like, you know, there's in the 800 meters, for example, maybe you don't need as much awareness of the present. You just need, you know, two minutes or so of of focus. Whereas in an ultra, sometimes you need 24 hours of focus. And, and that to me just seems like polar opposite levels of focus, the whole scope of it is very different in my mind. Is meditation more helpful in this way for ultras or do you find it helpful for any distance? I think anything. I mean, I haven't run an 800 meter in a really long time and I really don't want to again. <laughs> but, um, and I think ultimately a lot of kind of like the fun practice of it because like the reality of, like your mind will wander and then coming back and that like reassurance that you can always come back to the right here right now. So you get more of a chance in that practice of the coming back as opposed to the driven focus that it, um, it takes in, in a short amount of time. Let's now talk about a beginner ultra marathoner. I, I think working on your mindset is super helpful, really at all stages of your running journey. Uh, but maybe if you're looking at your first ultra, maybe you've run a marathon at this point. What are some some tips or advice about uh, training for that first ultra? Any big mistakes to avoid when it comes to the actual mechanics of training or, you know, benchmark workouts or certain things that that you would really like to see in training to make sure that you're ready to do this, you can feel confident on the starting line, and you're going to be able to finish the race? Mm. As a coach, I really like to hone in on each individual and what they bring to the table. And it's so fun because everybody's so different. And I really thrive on that like first time. After, I mean, my book is called Running Your First Ultra. So like, I love that mindset of like, what's, what's possible? Can I achieve it? What does it look like? Um, so I think a lot of that comes in confidence, like confidence in your training, confidence in your ability, in your recovery, and how you've been feeling, the things that you're bringing along on that day, like whether it's your gear, um, food, hydration, how you're going to supply yourself, all of those confidences add up to be ready for like finishing an ultra. And I think the mindset is a, a good part of that. And I feel like like getting to work with a coach helps 
because you have that sounding board. You're not just asking the questions to yourself. And yeah, there weren't coaches when I started, but I had a lot of great people, guys, that I got to bounce things off of if I, you know, had a worry or a concern or they could they could provide that that coach support that uh, is now so much more readily available. Yeah, I'm thinking back to when I I attempted an ultra a couple years ago and unfortunately I had to drop out with a a knee issue that I was having. It was probably not the best idea to choose a mountainous ultra as your first one with like 8000 feet of elevation gain, but lesson learned. Um and I did find that mentally I was just not really ready for the amount of time I was out there for the changes in terrain and elevation and uh, changes in pace as well that are are so prevalent in some of these mountain ultras where you know you might be walking at one point or you're just bombing down a hill super fast at another point in the race and it was just so different coming from a cross country and track background kind of like you did and, and I found that even with a bunch of marathons under my belt, all this racing history of so many other distances, I found that I like couldn't handle the mental stress of running an ultra. And it was very, you know, fascinating to me because it was just interesting to learn that about myself. Uh, but I think it's a, a great testament to the fact that, you know, whether it's your first ultra or your 20th ultra, working on your mindset is is so crucially important because, you know, I, I had the fitness um, but I certainly didn't have my head on right for that race. And it was very, very apparent very soon into the race. Yeah. That's a cool learning, learning moment. Like it doesn't mean that maybe that was the exact learning moment you had to have so that as if when you go for another try, like, Oh, that's what I need to take forward. A lot of times I'll encourage athletes to write down what they learned as soon as possible after their race. And then we'll review that again before they go into their next one. I like that exercise. That seems very helpful from just a, a growth perspective, um, which I think is really necessary as as a runner, but particularly as an ultra runner, um, because you know these races take a lot out of you. And if you're not growing and learning from each one, you might be repeating some of those same mistakes. I, I really like that exercise. Well, Chrissy, this was a blast. Thank you so much for a fun conversation about the sport of ultra running. Uh, I think you are just such a valuable person in the community. And, and I know your book, Running Your First Ultra, is sort of like a Bible for many ultra runners who are looking for the training mechanics. So thank you so much for all that you do. Where can folks who want to connect with you on the interwebs find you? Are you uh, active on certain platforms? Uh, Instagram would probably be my favorite. And if you know how to spell my last name, you can find me. So uh, I'm just Chrissy at ChrissyMail.com. So M-O-E-H-L. And I guess not everybody spells Chrissy the same way. So I'm K-R-I-S-S-Y-M-O-E-H-L. And that's, I haven't been really creative with handles. I just use my name. <laughs> Makes it easy. That's the best handle you could have. So yes, Chrissy Mail on Instagram. I'm going to include a link to that in the show notes and also to your book and your website for folks to check out. Chrissy, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, right on. I was going to say the, um, the fun like little spoilers, the second edition to my book is coming out in January. I just actually this morning approved the cover for the second edition. So it's kind of exciting for me right now, but it's 
still six months out for everybody else. So I feel like, oh my gosh, it's coming, but it won't be available for six more months because of the way the publishing world works. But it's, it's fun to know that it's on its way. Yeah, that is exciting. And um, like a round two of such an iconic book in the ultra world. Uh, that is just awesome. So is it available for pre-order yet? Or is it still too early for that? Still too early for pre-order yet. All right. Well, we'll maybe update the article on this episode when it is time. And until then, Chrissy, appreciate you being here. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. This was fun. All right, everyone, that's our show today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are feeling inspired to run long on the trails. Connect with Chrissy on Instagram at Chrissy Mail. That's K-R-I-S-S-Y-M-O-E-H-L. Or check out her book, Running Your First Ultra. Lastly, but not least, our sponsor, Elemental Labs, is here for you this summer. If you have a high sweat rate or if you have very salty sweat like I do, it's important to dial in your hydration. Elemental Labs is offering a free sample pack with four flavors and eight electrolyte packets at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You only have to pay for shipping, which is just five bucks here in the United States. I am actually sitting here currently drinking the watermelon salt flavor. It's delicious. If you're not familiar with them, Elemental Labs makes electrolytes for athletes and low-carb folks too, with no sugar, no artificial ingredients or colors. Now I'm partial to the citrus flavor, which I usually have every couple days. I mentioned before that it was my beverage of choice whenever I do a long run or I head out into the mountains for a long bike ride. It's tasty, it's delicious, and it's something I really enjoy to help me get more fluid in my body when I'm running longer runs or bike rides. And if you are running maybe five days per week, training for a longer event like the half marathon or longer, or just outside in the heat, an electrolyte replacement makes a lot of sense. And you should be encouraged by the fact that Navy SEAL teams, Olympic teams, and pro athletes have started using elemental electrolyte supplements to improve their performance. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You can try their sample pack and get your hydration optimized for the upcoming summer season. They also have several new flavors, watermelon salt, which is now my number two most favorite flavor, and they also have grapefruit salt. Everything's delicious. I highly recommend it. That's our show today, guys. If you've been enjoying this podcast and want to pay it forward, a review in Apple Music is always appreciated. We'll be in touch soon. 